hello and welcome to the Informed Traveler podcast, part of the Informed Traveler radio show, which is heard each week on Chorus Radio. It's a travel podcast where our goal is to help you become a more informed traveler. And I'm your host, Randy Sharman. On our show this week, we're going to talk about timeshares. A new survey from the Timeshare Users Group suggests that most people who have a timeshare are quite happy with them. So we'll talk about the pros and cons of owning a timeshare. And later in the podcast, the Vegas guru David Yeska will join us to give us an update on what's new in Sin City. But first, let's start things out this week getting some tips on using your cell phone when traveling out of the country. Our resident travel agent, Ken Stewart from Crowfoot Travel Solutions, who does a lot of traveling and uses his cell phone a lot while traveling, joins us to offer up some advice. Hi, Ken. Hey, Randy. Hey, everyone. So if you have a client... Uh, traveling out of the country, uh, what are some of the tips or some of the things that you uh, mentioned to them that they can do to avoid a, a huge, hefty cell phone bill when they get home? Exactly. And I think everybody out there has different plans. I mean, uh, there's Rogers, Bell, uh, Shaw, different ones, Freedom Mobile. Who are, you know, All these ones are part of the, the kind of the big three. Uh, I know I have a newer Shaw plan right now because my wife's an American, so it's really great for us. So we have unlimited use in Canada, the USA, and even Mexico because we did that uh, back in April where I called you and we did our little uh, interview through uh, through the telephone. Mm-hmm. So it's a great way to go. If you're traveling international, uh, again, just about all the cell phone providers have plans that you can buy. Uh, I know when the wife and I travel, we will do one of the phones and get a local SIM card that gives you Internet access and minutes and everything like that. Because, again, Internet is the biggie, the Wi-Fi uh, is, is good. You can keep your phone in airplane mode, and that will save you any roaming costs or anything like that. But it's nice to have that Internet. So we'll purchase a SIM card, which is usually really inexpensive and a lot cheaper than uh, some of the travel plans that your provider is offering up here. And that way you have a local phone. So you can make all the local phone calls you need to, or if you're, you know, walking around, you can do Google Maps, all those types of things that you want to do, and it's not really a, a serious upcharge because, you know, uh, one of the plans we used to have, which is why we changed, uh, it was it was it added up a fair bit at the end of a week. Uh, you know, if you're going away or whatever, it's an extra cost. So the SIM card was much cheaper to do. And again, one of the tips we use all the time, especially if we're just doing like sun destinations and things like that is we'll keep it in airplane mode. Now, you're not going to get phone calls or messages, which if that's important to you, you may want not want to do. But as long as you can connect to Wi-Fi, you can do everything that you do normally on the Internet. So you can check your uh, Facebook. You can check your messages on Facebook. You can check your emails. You can do all of that kind of stuff without incurring any roaming charges. So it's, it's a great way to save yourself some money that way. If you don't, you know, it's not really important to you that you're not expecting any phone calls or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Well, and I guess a lot of it has to do, it depends on where you're going. And if you do want to accept phone calls and make sure or text back and forth or something like that, there yep. are a lot of uh, unlimited uh, calls and, and it's, it's, it's the data that costs a lot, right? So even if right. you wanted to just take, turn, turn your roaming off, that way you can still accept phone calls, do texting. And with the roaming off, it's not going to work unless you're hooked up to Wi-Fi. Correct. And uh, if you didn't buy a travel plan or whatever, something to ask your telephone provider before you leave uh, is if you get a phone call, even if you do not answer it, does that 
trigger your roaming for the day. Mm-hmm. I know, and I'm not going to mention any names, but I know that's part of the reason we changed is one of the providers we used to have, as soon as we got a phone call, even if we didn't accept it, and somebody left us a voice message, it triggered the roaming, and we were charged for the day. Hmm, interesting to know. So things uh, and questions to ask. Now, getting back to SIM cards, I've never done this, but uh, the way I understand it, and, I'm, and if you go on the uh, Government of Canada travel website, travel.gc.ca, there is a lot of good information on there. Uh, one of the things uh, is the the SIM cards uh, you can't use if your phone is locked. Is that true? Correct. Yeah. Correct. Now, just about all the companies will give you a uh, code to unlock your phone mm-hmm. if you're traveling. Again, you just have to ask them for it because it's free. They can't tell you they have to charge you or anything like that. But the majority of the new cell phones, if you've had one in probably in the last year or two, are already unlocked. They They started doing that. Uh, where all the phones are all unlocked. So probably your phone is unlocked. And again, just a quick question for your provider. Mm -hmm. And uh, they'll email you out the code. So when you lock in, it'll ask you for your authorization. Uh, You've got that printed out, and you type that in, and you're good to go. You're connected. And if you change SIM cards, does your number change? Yes, because there is an actual phone number attached to your SIM card. So, for example, when we were over in Europe and when we were over in Africa or whatever, the SIM card was a local phone number. Mm, okay. So, again, uh, you know, it's more for if you're going to be using phone calls or need to phone. But it did help us because a couple of times, we, you know, we had to phone the hotel just to confirm a couple of things. And, mm-hmm. you know, we were looking for a tour company that was supposed to pick us up. They're running a little bit late or whatever, so we had to phone them. So, again, we were able to do it on that phone and not incur any long distance or extra charges. At the end of the day, ask questions, right? Ask your cell phone provider, ask your uh, travel advisor. You can even go on uh, and get some, like I said, good information on the Government of Canada uh, website, travel.gc.ca. Always good info, uh, Ken. Thanks very much. Have a great day, everyone. So do you own a timeshare or have you thought about owning a timeshare? Well, according to a recent survey from the Timeshare Users Group, the vast majority of timeshare owners are quite happy with their timeshare properties. So here to discuss more about the survey and the ins and outs of timeshares in general is Brian Rogers. He's the owner of the Timeshare Users Group, Tug2, the number two, dot net is their website. Hi, Brian. How you doing? I'm doing well. Tell me about the Timeshare Users Group. I guess the name kind of says a lot, but uh, tell me what you do, though. Yeah, the Timeshare Users Group was founded almost 30 years ago. Uh, it was the very first Timeshare website on the Internet uh, and essentially was just a group of owners uh, collected together, my father being one of them, to uh, uh, essentially start uh, a website so owners could share information about uh, resorts and get help and advice about timeshares. Uh, it's now expanded into the largest website of its kind, uh, and we still serve the same purpose today is to educate and inform timeshare owners, uh, allow the place to they can gather, our online forums, ratings, interviews of resorts, uh, all shared amongst owners themselves. Mm-hmm. Simple as that, right? Um, yes, sir. You, now, you came out with a, a survey with uh, timeshare owners. Well, mo- the vast majority of people in the survey were timeshare owners. But before we get into the, some of the details of the survey, let's talk about timeshares in general so people have an under- understanding of what we're talking about. What are some of the different types of, of timeshares? Uh, essentially, in this day and age, uh, there are three different types of timeshares. You have the, the fixed and floating week, which I, I would think that most people consider a traditional timeshare. You're buying uh, at a specific resort, uh, either buying a specific week that you would visit on an on a annual basis uh, or a range of weeks that you could reserve on an annual basis. And, and that's how timesharing 
timeshares were sold for for many many years. Uh, now we find the industry with the, the players coming in the, the all everyone provides now are, are point based programs. It's, it's very very similar to airline miles, uh, essentially prepaying uh, for a number of points uh, that you can use to reserve weeks uh, or stays within that resort system. For example, Marriotts and, and Hiltons and uh, Wyndhams and so on and so forth. Then you're allowed to reserve any week uh, or interval at any of the resorts within their system that either uh, has the available number of points in your ownership or less mm-hmm. uh, so that you can actually take multiple ownerships. Uh, it provides much more flexibility that the modern consumer is now looking for uh, in their travel needs. Uh, I don't think anyone currently sells uh, those traditional fixed weeks anymore uh, as, as the paradigm has certainly shifted to today's consumer looking for multiple locations, flexibility with travel, uh, versus going to the same location year in and year out uh, as time sharing was traditionally started as and, mm-hmm. and sold as for so many years. Mm-hmm. Uh, is, in general, is there a negative perception of timeshare ownership? Do you think? Uh, I would say yes, uh, and it's it's a well deserved one. Uh, unfortunately, and you can see uh, in many modern cartoons uh, uh, or even mainstream media articles, uh, the the word timeshare generally has a negative connotation to it. Uh, not so much towards the product itself, which, mm-hmm. which is a fascinating difference, uh, but more importantly, towards the, the sales of the timeshare, how it was sold. And mm-hmm. for lack of a better term, the, the sleazy used car salesman <laughs> is a common, uh, uh, a common description used for, for the timeshare industry. Uh, and, and while, by and large, the industry did make some efforts to, to attempt to curb that, it, it still happens. Uh, you know, all of these sales folks work on commission, so they... Uh, some play more fast and loose with the rules uh, in terms of, of trying to convince them someone to buy that product right then and there uh, so that they can earn their commission. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, not selling a timeshare means you, you don't earn a commission. And, uh, you know, I, I certainly don't want to paint with broad strokes to say that every timeshare salesman out there uh, plays fast and loose with the truth. But it is certainly common enough that uh, we hear about it on a regular basis. And uh, when we hear those complaints and you hear those same complaints over and over and over again, uh, you know, where there's smoke, there's fire. Uh, and then, you know, it's the fact that all of the complaints are so very similar and all of the statements are so very similar that while not intentionally, or excuse me, I take that back, while not explicitly or legally an outright lie, the, the statements are certainly designed to be taken a certain way uh, by the, the person being sold the timeshare. Mm-hmm. Uh, while they, they, they certainly know that the statement taken at its face value is blatantly inaccurate, uh, but the way that it is sold and the way that it is marketed make someone interpret it a, a certain way that is just not truthful, in, in my opinion. And mm-hmm. uh, thus you find many owners are not so much unhappy with the product when they get on vacation, but are unhappy with uh, essentially being sold something that uh, probably wasn't exactly what they bought. Uh, let's talk about the survey now. Uh, the people obviously surveyed were timeshare owners. The vast majority of them anyways were owners or owner at one point. And I, in general, when I was looking through some of the questions and answers and everything like that, uh, it seems to me that most timeshare owners are very pleased with uh, what they have. It is. We, we were certainly, uh, while we would hope that that was the case, we were certainly very pleased to, to see that theory reinforced. Uh, we had roughly 1,000 people take the survey, and then uh, almost 90% of them completed the survey, all 50 questions that we had. Uh, and, and again, while we weren't... Uh, uh, specifically requiring timeshare owners to, to answer these questions. It, it was certainly targeted towards timeshare owners and their mm-hmm. experience with their ownership, as well as how they were sold and what they were told. Uh, but yeah, you know, we find that uh, that's one of the, the, the bright spots of the, the tug community. So we have literally tens of thousands of timeshare owners 
uh, that may have uh, either been misled in, in originally buying their timeshare. Uh, but in that situation, you spent that much money on something, and you might as well learn how to use it. Uh, and it just reinforces the fact that the product itself is solid, uh, and people are very, very happy when they go on their vacations and when they're actually staying at these resorts. And some of them are absolutely world-class resorts, and, and really the only dark cloud exists uh, for those people who were unlucky enough to get a timeshare salesperson that, uh, for lack of a better term, you know, sold them uh, a bill of goods that, mm. that they couldn't deliver. At the end of the day, we also find that a good number of people who may or may not have been misled during their sales presentation discover Tug uh, and learn the ins and outs of their timeshare and discover the resale market where they could buy that same property uh, for as little as a dollar uh, for free in, in many cases uh, on our website or, or a variety of, of websites that exist out there for the resale of timeshares uh, and not being subject to that retail sales presentation and not having to plop down that $20,000 for something. Uh, allows you to be much happier with your timeshare <laughs> ownership uh, because you can you know, parlay that money into you know decades of vacation. Well, yeah, I, I, I would think that, or I'm just guessing that a lot of people don't even realize that there are timeshares for sale that people are trying to get rid of. And that seems to be one of the areas, if there is a negative kind of thing through this survey, is the, how difficult it is to get rid of them. But if, if people were more aware of that you can get a for lack of a better term, uh, uh, pre-owned timeshare for a fraction of the cost, uh, that would certainly help, right? Absolutely. Uh, that uh, that alone, that, that single phrase that you utter, that single topic, has been one of the most fascinating things I've experienced uh, in my entire life. Uh, the fact that uh, someone who you know, wakes up one day or someone who is interested in buying a timeshare to see the average person uh, likely does not realize that you can purchase on the retail market. It's certainly not something that's going to be mentioned at the sales presentation. Uh, and the fact that the industry itself will never promote uh, the resale market, because if it were common knowledge that you could pick up one of these timeshares for free, uh, <laughs> how would that salesman ever sell that same product? Yeah, for exactly. <laughs> uh, so the industry would have to be flipped on its head overnight. And more importantly, they wouldn't be able to finance that $20,000 purchase. So you find that the industry itself, while not actively uh, you know, obscuring resales uh, certainly makes no effort whatsoever to promote the resale market. Uh, and thus owners are pretty much left to their own devices uh, when it comes time for them to sell or, or otherwise get out of their contract. And hopefully uh, a percentage of them will find Tug and, and be instructed on how to do that. Mm -hmm. uh, sadly, many are not. Uh, and thus they fall prey to uh, the scams and the exit companies that uh, litter this industry and, and specifically target those owners who uh, find it difficult to get rid of their timeshare and, and unfortunately exploit them for, for even more money. Uh, we are running short of time, but I would like to go through some of the pros and cons of having a timeshare. Uh, obviously, uh, to enjoy it, you need to use it, right? If you don't use it, then obviously you're not going to enjoy it. But what are some of the things things people should look for, though? Yeah, that was uh, one of the, the biggest surprises in the entire survey, uh, or the biggest benefits, positives to the survey, was that uh, almost eight out of 10 timeshare owners actually take more vacations mm -hmm. because they own a timeshare. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's been something that the industry itself has marketed, even in sales presentations for many, many years that, uh, uh, you know, I I'm guilty of it. Whereas if I didn't own a timeshare, I probably wouldn't make a point to go there that particular place on vacation or make a point to plan for a vacation every year. Uh, and many people are like that. You know, you just kind of, I'll take a vacation next year or mm -hmm. work too busy this year or something like that. And they'll put it off and put it off. Whereas owning a timeshare actually makes you, uh, you know, put that money and put that focus on planning your, your annual vacation. So 
Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that said, uh, the real benefit in buying retail, especially, is the money that you can save. Uh, you know, you can have these week-long uh, stays at, at resorts that are, are designed for a week-long family, uh, a family to stay for, for an entire week. You're looking at multiple bedrooms, uh, up to three and four bedrooms. You're looking at full kitchens, full living rooms. Uh, you know, these places are essentially condominiums, not hotel rooms. You stay in a, a multiple bedroom timeshare resort with your family, and you will never even consider staying in a hotel again. Uh, it really is just just makes that that stay that much better. Uh, and the fact that you have more room to spread out, you can cook dinners. I uh, don't have to go out for breakfast, lunch, and dinner to, for a family of four right now. That's absurdly expensive. Uh, so all of these ways that you can save money on your annual family vacation uh, certainly are checked uh, in the timeshare ownership box. Well, I wish we had more time to talk about timeshares because there's a, there's a lot of things I'm sure people want to find out more. But if they do want to find out more information, uh, the Timeshare Users Group is a place to go. Tug, the number two, dot net. Lots of information there. And Brian Rogers is the owner of Timeshare Users Group. Uh, great information, Brian. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you very much for having me on. I greatly appreciate it as well. Well, Las Vegas has always been consistently one of the top destinations for people to visit. There's always something new going on, so joining us now to give us an update on some of the new highlights in Las Vegas is the Vegas guru, David Yesko. You can follow him on Twitter at TheVegasGuru underscore, and his website is TheLasVegas.Guru. Hi, David. Hey, Randy. Let's talk about some of the uh, new sites and attractions. There's always something new going on in Las Vegas. It's hard to keep track sometimes. I don't know how you do it, but let's start with the, with the Wynn Hotel. You know, I've never stayed there, but, you know, I always like to walk the Strip, and you walk by there, and you go, uh, like, many places. That'd be a fun place to stay. So what's going on there? It's a great property, uh, Randy. So it's, of course, one of the top luxury properties on the Strip. And, and I, I went for a weekend recently just to stay there because – they re- recently were honored with seven Forbes Travel Guide five-star awards. So this is notable because no other property in Vegas received more than two, and Wynn got seven. So I wanted to see why, kind mm-hmm. of delve into the reasons why, and and I came away impressed. Uh, I mean, it is they, they got the seven awards were broken down into four for hotel, two for spa, and one for restaurant. Wow. So, so the way that, that works is um, Forbes Travel Guide sends anonymous inspectors on, on multiple visits to each property, and they use literally hundreds of evaluation criteria. So it's very detailed, it's secretive, and um, they're very thorough. And that's why Forbes Travel Guide five-star awards really mean something. So a lot of properties say that, you know, we're a four-star property or we're a five-star property. Mm-hmm. They can say that in their marketing, but unless it comes from Forbes Travel Guide, it doesn't really mean anything. Um, so the four hotel products were Wynn Las Vegas and Wynn Tower Suites, which are two in the same tower. On the other side of the house, there's Encore Las Vegas and Encore Tower Suites, slightly newer, slightly larger. Um, the spa at Wynn and the spa at Encore both received five-star awards. And the most interesting, I think, was for Wing Lei, which is the property's fine dining Chinese restaurant. Mm-hmm. So this is the only fine dining Chinese restaurant in North America to get to receive a five-star award. 
and I particularly wanted to have dinner there to see why. And mm-hmm. I have to tell you, it, it was an amazing experience. It was their kind of specialty is this imperial duck six-course tasting dinner. So that's what I ordered. Um, the first five courses are all prepared using the same duck. Different preparation in each course, and then a sixth course is dessert, of course, not using the duck. <laughs> <laughs> but just a combination of incredible service, great cuisine, innovative cooking, beautiful ambiance. Um, it was perfect, frankly. And, and this dinner, by the way, is not very pricey. They price it at, at $118.88, uh, the H being lucky, of course. Ah, of course. <laughs> and and, and for, that, for that meal, it was a bargain. And so, um, you know, that with the hotel rooms and the spas that I visited, I understand why they got the seven five-star awards. It, it's an incredible property and very professionally run, too. Well, and you would think with all the hotels in Las Vegas, uh, the competition would be very stiff. So, yeah, to get seven awards uh, is pretty amazing. Uh, and then the other thing that stands out for me, imagine having the job of the five-star person from Forbes Travel <laughs> doing that. <laughs> like... <laughs> and I was looking into the, delving into the criteria they use. When they're in a restaurant, they're looking at everything from whether the carpeting underneath the table is clean, whether there's any paint chipped on the walls, even things, even even that detail. That wow. Detail. So, so it's not just the food and the service; it's everything else about it. Uh, and you know, I also had dinner at the buffet there one night. The mm-hmm. buffet at Wynn, it's one of the city's top gourmet buffets. Mm-hmm. That was great. Cold seafood, a great dim sum station, an extensive carvery. Um, Pricey, slightly pricey as, as compared to other buffets in Vegas, 65 to $70 for dinner. Mm. But that's on a par with the city's top gourmet buffets. So the three or four top gourmet buffets in Vegas are all at that price level, but, but um, you know, all, all maintain a very high level of cuisine. Wow. Uh, let's talk about some of the shows now. There's always, uh, like I said, there's always something new going on in Vegas, but some adult yeah. shows that, uh, that are going on. Yeah, so I, I checked out a couple of the new adult shows. So, so first, uh, Rouge at the Strat. So as, as you may know, the Stratosphere a couple of years ago was rebranded as mm-hmm. just Strat. That's what everybody in Vegas has called it for years, so they just decided to rebrand <laughs> to become the Strat. So this new show, Rouge, is um, by a producer named Hanach Rosen. He's got a couple of other family-friendly variety shows in Vegas. He's got Wow at the Rio and Extravaganza at Bally's. So this is an adult-oriented variety show. It's like it's difficult to describe. Kind of an adult playground, almost. A, very, a large cast, eighteen, eighteen cast of eighteen topless dancers plus acrobats, aerialists, comedians, all kind of combined to create this sexy and exciting show. Very fast-paced. Hmm. Um, it's dirty too. The the, the <laughs> MC uses this really dirty banter. So if people are, you know, uh, yeah. offended, be, be aware, they be right? There'll be offensive be, language, be, and be aware there'll be offensive yeah. language. But but it's it's great looking and it's beautiful looking, and the cast is great, and really some amazing acrobatic acts in the middle of it. Of it's it's a show unique, kind of unique in Vegas. Um, the other show is Atomic Saloon at the Venetian. So this show actually opened pre-pandemic. I didn't get to see it before it closed, of course, during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And it's this, the, the producers describe it as a, 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 a rowdy, raunchy romp through the <laughs> Wild West as it never was. So, so I would say that it's, 
it's this really high-energy adult circus-slash-variety show that's set in this Old West brothel in a theater, really intimate small theater. Like every every seat is within spitting distance of the stage. And and it's also cool. It's, it's, it's dirty again. It's <laughs> funny. There's comedians, great acrobats. It's got... You know, sex, profanity, and sacrilege. Like, what could be wrong with that combination? Well, that's it is Las Vegas, so right? <laughs> it is Las Vegas, and right, and that's what's that's what about these two shows, Randy. I don't think they could play anywhere else. Yeah. First of all, they would violate decency laws in most other places. <laughs> but but the the combination and the the acrobats, the the the, the adult nature, the dirty banter. Um, they wouldn't play anywhere else or certainly couldn't play for long anywhere else but mm-hmm. Vegas. So, so these shows are un- really unique to Vegas, and they're worth a, sh- a see. So that's Rouge at the Strat. Um, tickets start at about $59 plus fees. And Atomic Saloon at the, the Venetian is a little more expensive. Tickets start at about 149 but it's a very intimate theater um, at the, um, the Grand Canal shops at the Venetian. Nothing like getting close up. Uh, are tickets hard to, to get? Do they sell no, no, out fast? Tickets- you know, weekends weekends they sell out, but mm-hmm. um, midweek and and later like Thursday Friday they're easier to get. But you typically right now they're typically uh, pretty available on both shows. Let's talk about the Boss Cafe at the Link. Yeah, so you know I'm always looking for value propositions in Vegas. As you know, Vegas can be a very pricey place. Yes, it can. <laughs> Great for high end dining, and like I just mentioned, even the buffet it wins sixty five to seventy dollars. Mm-hmm. It's great, but it's pricey. So I'm always looking for value. And the, the cake boss from you know TV's Cake Boss show, oh, Buddy yeah. B, the famous pastry chef, just opened a place at the Link, um, and, and it's called Boss Cafe. And he's got uh, he uses this house-made mozzarella. That's their specialty there. And you can get it in its delicious focaccia sandwiches. He's got these thick bakery-style pizza squares, also using the great mozzarella. Everything on the menu is under 15 bucks. It's counter service. You order at the counter, they bring it to you. And, and, and I think it's great. It's a great value, delicious, great place for a lunch or a quick meal. And he's also got his famous pastries there, of course. So that's where he made his name. Uh, and especially I like his, um, his lobster tail pastry, which is his, his uniquely. It's this kind of out-of-this-world, delicious, guilty pleasure, I call it. <laughs> and nobody else has got anything like it. And that's about ten, eight or ten bucks. Um, so I, I think it's a great find. Uh, yeah, something casual in Vegas, the Boss Cafe at the Link. Um, it's it's a, hard to find. It's kind of in the back, b- behind the casino, right near the parking garage. But it's a good value. Yeah, well, a couple of meals there, and then you can afford the more expensive ones. Right, right. balance that's it right. all out. Right. Uh, and, and Vegas is booming, right? It, it's Vegas I was there in, in September uh, a year ago. And uh, it was booming then. That was in the middle of the pandemic. It's like nothing ever happened. It is, it is boom. It's still booming. It's like the pandemic never happened or isn't still happening. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, there aren't many people wearing masks. Um, you know, everybody's crowded in showrooms and restaurants. So, so um, people should just know that's the, that's the setup there. That's the that's way it is. is. That's the way it is. And, yeah. you know. You take a risk going there, of course, but um, hopefully that risk is lessening over time. But it, it is busy, and I can tell you just on the strength of how how much money is being spread around in Vegas. So I was walking around. I was at Wynn. It was Memorial Day weekend, holiday weekend. I was walking around the casino at Wynn, looking at table minimums. I didn't see many tables that were lower than a 50 or or $100 minimum. Really? Wow. That's 
and that's per hand. Yeah, so right. I had, to, I had to look to find $25 tables. Now, that was at Wynn, one of the higher-end yeah. you know, casinos on the Strip. Other casinos on weekend, weekend night, holiday night especially, $25 tables and $50 tables. You know, Jeez. you had to search to find a $10 table. So there's plenty of money being thrown around in Vegas. People, uh, there's a lot of pent-up demand, obviously, mm-hmm. for the last, over the last two years. And, and it's booming, and, and it shows in Vegas. Well, people love it. Uh, David Diesco, you can follow him on Twitter, the Vegas Guru underscore. Check out his website, thelasvegas.guru. And he is the Vegas Guru. Uh, always fun to chat, David. Thanks for the update. Thanks, Randy. It's always fun. And that is this week's Informed Traveler podcast. Remember, this is the podcast version of the Informed Traveler radio show, which is heard each week on Chorus Radio. You can find more information on the show at our website, theinformedtraveler.org. So thanks for listening. If you like what you hear, let us know, leave a review, tell a friend, or you can drop me a line. My email is randy at theinformedtraveler.org. You can also like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash informedtraveler or follow me on Twitter at informedtraveler.org.